0: Welcome to The Human Beat. I'm Roger Rocca. What started years ago with a few bologna sandwiches offered to homeless people at a riverfront park has overcome obstacles and grown to be an important center of safety and help for Astoria's unhoused population. Now, Lifeboat Services is contracting to resurrect Astoria's warming center as well. Lifeboat's executive director is Oz Orak, who goes by Oz because his given name tends to throw people for a loop.
1: Osar. A lot of my family calls me Osark. uh
0: uh-huh. And what's the derivation of, of your name, is it?
1: It's Palawan.
0: You have been now for how many years running Lifeboat Services?
1: <laughs> so it started as uh, Filling Empty Bellies. Right. Uh, I took over as executive director of Filling Empty Bellies in 2020. Mm-hmm about mid junish uh, when Aaron started the Beacon Clubhouse under NAMI. At that point, the Beacon Clubhouse was operating uh, out of the First Baptist Church, mm-hmm. uh, the basement there. Uh, t- I, that's when I started looking for, I started pounding the pavement, uh, m- uh, cold calling and uh, just looking at uh, vacant buildings uh, in and or around town. Uh, Aaron had started that, sa- that mission back in, around 2017-ish, looking for spaces. Uh, Since that time, up until we found this space in 2021, um, we had put approximately seven different proposals. We Mm -hmm. had made seven different proposals to different buildings around town, including the Orange Building over at the other end of town that's still vacant Mm -hmm. and, and was then. Um, and whenever we would get to, or whenever Filling Empty Bellies would get to explaining what exactly would be happening there and who would be served, it was a hard no.
0: And filling Empty Bellies goes back even beyond that, though. That was some years before.
1: 2014, Cory Buck started feeding lunch um, to people out of the back of her car, right. and quickly started, you know, with with her friends and um, uh, like like-minded individuals. Uh, brought on a bunch of volunteers and. So they they made a schedule and just started feeding lunch in the park. That's what they did, and then provided coats and more uh, and uh, and gather gathered co- uh clothing, warm weather clothing, and whatever it is that they could provide.
0: Well, given given what you what you found, what you faced, how did you finally land the building at 1040 commercial? What happened there?
1: It was a combination of luck and uh, yeah, I guess luck because <laughs> uh, I reached out to the uh, the owners of that building and. Uh, we scheduled a. They, we, I gave them a brief description of what it is that we wanted to do. They were like, "Let's schedule an on-site meeting." And so we did. And um, Aaron was there with with me. And it, we come to find out that so they they knew Aaron mm-hmm. Aaron's family from when she grew up in Cannon Beach. They actually belonged to a ch- to their their church. And so it was you know they basically what ultimately they what they said ultimately was yes it's the right thing to do let's do it go ahead. All
0: right, and you, you know, your first years there, you faced some pushback from the neighborhood. How is that going now?
1: Yeah, the the uh, the, one, the Facebook page "Concerned Citizens of Clatsop County, or Astoria, or whatever" that that came about as a direct result of our opening on Commercial Street. Uh, since then, it's calmed down because uh, basically um, their their fears uh, there fears were. Um, didn't didn't come to fruition. Like you know, we didn't ruin downtown. Uh, tourism didn't turn away because of uh, 1040 commercials uh, activities, um, and th- there hasn't been any more violence on our street or right there than there is anywhere else uh, in in the county or in the city. Uh, and we've done everything that we we feel like we've done everything that we can to mitigate any of any of that. I mean, we have I have st- steadfast rules for our participants. If you're utilizing our services. You can't hang out on our block, mm-hmm. uh, no matter w- whether we're open or not. Like, and if you do, you get a, you know there there are consequences. Uh, so, uh, we've we've done the best that we feel that we can to keep the uh, keep the peace with our neighbors and uh, uh, citizens alike.
0: So now, you're you're the person who's going to be running the warming center in the winter.
1: Well, our organization is, yes. Your you. organization is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we even entertained uh, absorbing or partnering or, uh, you know, taking over the AWC operations uh, or the warming center services uh, it, it, with, with the Astoria Warming Center, uh, we had fully intended on and had plans to open up emergency shelter. Not emergency shelter, but shelter, year-round shelter at 1040 Commercial. Since we moved in there, that was our plan. Low barrier shelter downstairs at night, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Mm -hmm. daytime navigation services uh, during the day. Then we planned on doing it all there, also with the Beacon Clubhouse on the upper level. So to answer what what it is that we have going on there now is uh, daytime navigation services uh, in the lower level. And that's filling empty bellies, and we have computers uh, available for resources. Wi- Wi-Fi, uh, fa- fax, phone. Um, we run the TV with shows all day. We have coffee available in the morning with, um, you know, a light breakfast or pastries or whatever it is that we were uh, l- lucky enough to get donated. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we have washing machine and dryer. people to use. We had a clothing closet but we have since moved it up here because I'll get into that as well. Um, We're going to move daytime services up to the 1076 um, space that we're in now at the church that Mm -hmm. used to be the Astoria Warming Center. So my vision our vision is daytime navigation. I want to bank of lockers I want to lease out
0: Just to clarify we are sitting now talking in the basement of the Methodist Church which is where the warming center used to be. Yeah. Okay, and so what's what's the balance between those two buildings now? What's going to be here? What's going to be at 1040 commercial?
1: This will be daytime at the church space that used to be AWC. is going to be daytime. Uh, we do actually have it confirmed with the building official and the fire, uh, fire marshal, fire chief, uh, uh, that we w- would be allowed in uh, inclement weather to, con- to also utilize this for overflow or for more because uh, for, for the 35 beds for 90 days uh, um, yeah, within a year. We would still be able to use that for emergency, um, For over, especially since at 1040 initially, we're only going to be able to, to, uh, to have an R2 occupancy with an um, occupancy load of 22. So we're only going to ha- be able to have 22 beds down there initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, However, that's going to change really quick as soon as we get our R2 occupancy because I'm almost done installing the showers and restrooms, which is the last piece at 1040 Commercial uh, to allow for R2 occupancy. Now, so so then w- once that's done, we will almost immediately thereafter uh, hire a design specialist and, and submit the secondary um, request for uh, occupancy change uh, so that we can uh, allow for, I, I believe it was at uh, 36 or 37, and that, that, that's to, we, have to figure that's to to be determined, but Mm -hmm. it'll get us up to that number, Mm -hmm. 36 or 37 um, uh, overnight stays there. And then the the back half of the 1040 Mm -hmm. lower portion will become uh, um, women and children, and then in the main area it'll be um, everyone else. (laughs) So when that happens, we're not going to do daytime services down there anymore, so a lot of the concerned citizens' concerns will no longer be uh, a thing there on that main street because we're moving them over here. And we think uh, with this larger space, because, I mean, it's almost 5,000 square feet here, uh, I want to have potentially bring in a, a nurse once a month or however often we can, we can get a nurse to come in here. Uh, we want to have mental health care professionals, maybe have some CBH uh, workers come up here, some class of community action workers, the homeless liaison, maybe have some uh, cubicles and or desks. For them to secure files or to do intake or whatever because we want to have everything under one roof so that when you stay at the shelter at night then during the day you can come up here and social security benefits sign up for housing sign up for treatment services uh, sign up for mental health care services wherever you're at whatever it is that it's going to help the individual move from where they're at to where they would like to be if, if all the stars align we will have the funding uh, necessary to move forward with shelter um, through I, I think the contracts through 2025 yeah and and then we'll throw our throw in as many uh, volunteers as we can into the mix um, because obviously it's seven days a week uh, and and it's pretty much around the clock between the two two. Um, two pieces that we're uh, we're working towards um so uh, it's a lot um and we will need all hands on on deck uh but logistically speaking it's uh we i i have we have to make sure that these, the the contract with the county is solidified before i can even like start hiring everyone so i'm sure. like in this in this kind of limbo yeah. we're in this kind of limbo and we it, we know that there, it needs to happen now we, we know that the we, I mean, it's already, the weather's getting bad. and
0: We've already had some nasty nights. Yeah. we have. What's your hope in terms of when you might be able to get, get the warming center open?
1: And so, I mean, tentatively, a month ago or whatever, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do the Thanksgiving, like, like the AWC did last last season. But I, I just really, I, I couldn't nail a day down. And I really want to, you know, because it's, uh, you know, we're, we, this is life-saving work.
0: How are you supported? I mean, all, you can't possibly do this running on empty all the time. Where do, you, where do your resources come from for, for your navigation center, for Beacon Clubhouse, for filling empty bellies, and now for the warming center? How do you do all that?
1: Uh, so our, uh, our food budget for our meal program is, I mean, uh, aside from staffing, is almost zero. Uh, because we enjoy uh, 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 some very, very very large or some su- substantial donations um, throughout the week. Uh, I, I mean, from the co-op through the VFW, we we have – we get a lot of food, mm-hmm. which, so, I mean, it's, it's very exciting. Um, and we have a commercial kitchen to, to, to make it in. Uh, then uh, the majority of our t- support comes from – well, we have – we also have – uh, individual donations then we have people set up for recurring donations five dollars ten dollars and that's been extremely steady um, and I guess I shouldn't have said majority because the majority has come historically from foundations mm-hmm. since we opened up here uh, we have uh, attained most of our funding through foundations and that's not something that necessarily can is not sustainable we we need recurring funding mm-hmm. we're, we're we're working that way you know I feel like we've done a lot with Uh, with with few resources um so yeah every year we apply for grants
0: right it's always a chase through
1: through foundations and wait at the edge of our seat to see how much if any of it we're going to get uh, to see if we're going to be able to continue on through the next year um and with the award of the state money and then and then finally having the county you know they, they they gave they gave us some more money to help us with the um with the showers and whatnot we still don't i mean all of that—it's—it's—it's it's, it's baby steps towards re- repairing some not—not uh, not necessarily healthy uh, relationships uh, that you know that we've had with uh, the powers that be or the mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the the leaders of our our, our uh, community here. Um, and that's just, uh, mo- for the most part, we've been uh, throughout the years just kind of pretty much ignored uh, and, and and even just you know just kind of shooed uh, aside because. Uh, The services we provide and the individuals that we provide them to uh, are not looked upon very highly um, amongst uh, a a lot of the powers that be.
0: There are perceptions too of who who the homeless are, uh, that they're all coming from somewhere else because of the richness of our services here, or so on. (laughs) I'd I'd like to hear your take on that.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, being born, uh, having been born, I'm I was born and raised in Portland. Uh, and I can tell, uh, and I feel comfortable telling anyone that uh, would say anything like that, that, that it's just simply not true. Uh, Portland has many more resources than, uh, than we do, and any houseless person um, who would choose to come here knowing how, knowing how few services we have and the type of weather that we have here on the coast, they, they, it's just not... That that's just not true. There are no we don't have we are the resources and we're not even up and running.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you another question that probably <laughs> would be even more irritating. And that is, what about the people who say, "Oh, they're homeless because they want to be." Uh,
1: that's. Uh, I, I mean, that's something that's. Uh, that that thought that mindset is uh, is something that's that's wrong or broken within our our society, that that anyone would. We would think that, there you do have, and they're far and few between. You do have individuals who. They love the the quote free lifestyle of being, you know, not not tied to anything and not like. But, that's not, ninety nine percent of, right, the individuals out here on the street. Even if they tell you I like living out here, I can promise you, if you dig a little bit deeper, you'll find out that it's not true. We at lifeboat services and myself and my, we we believe truly that what we are attempting to do is what is going to begin to affect change and to to, to help to change the tide of the, the homeless issue homelessness issue here it, it's the first steps but the main piece that needs to be addressed that is not being addressed in the correct way everyone knows that it's there mental health care services because one thing that uh, that you people will also say is, "Oh, they're just a druggie. They, you know, they just like being out there so they can do their drugs." The fact of the matter is that there are underlying reasons behind every single addiction, and it, it, it's it's mental health. And if you can begin to stabilize a, a person. Um, with services like we provide then you might be able to have a fighting chance if someone doesn't have to worry about where they're going to eat where they're going to sleep then you might be able to start the conversation towards mental health care services towards treatment services but then you also run into the fact that those systems are not in place mm-hmm. correctly that like if i want to if if someone comes to us and says i want to get into treatment I'll go right now. There isn't anything mm-hmm. there. There are no treatment services that we could call and say, hey, this person wants to get into treatment right now. They have to go get on a waiting list. Mm-hmm. And by the time they come, their name comes up in a month or two uh, for, for the bed that opens up, they're already off. And, run, they, and so, so many times that's just over and over again. And so that, that that's where, where a lot of people will get to the to the point. They're like, oh, no, I like being out here. It's fine because they've given up they they, they don't have any hope you know and 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 our services are the beginning to that hope uh, well
0: amy baker who runs class of behavioral health would say exactly what you're saying if there was a space it's very difficult to have effective homeless services when that person is back out on the street yep to make it stick
1: yep uh, yeah that's the that's the other end of it someone goes to treatment even if you if you manage to get him into that uh, that that treatment facility they go in uh for thirty days of, of inpatient treatment. Where do they go after that? there's no place for them to go, so they end up back on the street. The cycle begins again uh we we just you know we're we're failing and the way the way that we're dealing with it is, we're, is it, criminalization is not the correct answer now uh quote decriminalization uh without support is also not the correct answer um but we they, we have to find a happy medium there. We got to figure something out.
0: Who is this that's helping us with the interview?
1: Oh, this is Bilal. Hi, Bilal. <laughs> oh, are you, are you being shy?
0: He's being a little shy.
1: This so, is this is the real boss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you hear hear a little noise in the background, it's because we have a a young uh, assistant in Two. the room with us. How old are you? Two. 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 So how, how do you feel that what you're doing kind of fits into the great scheme of things here? Uh, what, what's still out there that has to be done that's not being addressed? What, uh, you know, there are some things being done. The county has taken a step by taking over the Columbia Inn and providing some spaces for, for folks. How does, how does all this fit together?
1: Uh, obviously, we need more, need more housing. Uh, but we need more transitional housing. Um, but that's a you know, that's a big conundrum. Yeah. Um, and uh, treatment, we we need we need uh, some local treatment uh, services like inpatient treatment.
0: Well, let me circle around here and, and ask you a couple other things. You mentioned earlier that you know one of the one of the ways that you are supported. Is uh, by individual donations, and if somebody wanted to do that and uh, like the work you're doing and wanted to support it, how would they do that? Uh,
1: the easiest way would be if I mean it would be to go onto our um, Filling Empty Bellies website, mm-hmm. FillingEmptyBellies.org, and there's a PayPal option on there, and I believe I, I should have the Venmo on there. <laughs> Need to update some of it, but yeah, you can absolutely uh, donate that way, or you could send a check in P.O. Box four nine two, Astoria, uh, nine seven one zero three, um, or you could stop in and say, "Hey, how can I help?" Yeah. <laughs> stop in the ten forty commercial. Ten forty commercial. Yeah,
0: and 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 again, we talked a little bit about filling empty bellies, and it started, you know, handing out sandwiches out by the riverfront. But I think for a long time, the dream has been this. Providing places for people to be. Yeah. And so, tell us a little bit about filling empty bellies and what it, what it actually does
1: now. Filling empty bellies started, like, like you said, in the in the parks, filling, uh, passing out sandwiches. But uh, then in in the 2020, when, when I took over, uh, and then we found the, the location 2021. Um, We changed the name from Filling Empty Bellies to Lifeboat Services, Mm -hmm. and we did that in order to bring on the other program, Beacon Clubhouse. So Beacon Clubhouse is currently under Filling Empty Bellies um, as a project, and it's our peer support, uh, mental health peer support, non-clinical program for individuals who identify as living with mental illness. and it's uh, it, it, it's it, it's a clubhouse that's run by its members with uh, some minimal oversight from from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, they, it's it's been amazing to watch our members, uh, you know, just blossom into it from from you know some some of them are actually a couple of them have actually gone through our um, transitional employment, and I actually employ one of them now as my IT guy and uh one of them was my kitchen lead and and she she worked with us for quite some time until she had stepped back for personal uh, reasons but um it's it, like i said it's amazing to watch individuals who um a lot of people have just had just kind of forgotten like you know And and maybe had been hermited up in their apartments for the last 10 years, and then to bring them in as as a member of of the clubhouse, and and they get to go ahead and um, help us run the clubhouse and help us create meals for our our filling empty bellies program uh, on on site. And they, you know, help us, uh, you know, tend our community garden and um, go to the, they, they, they schedule trips to the gym and to the beach for picnics and, you know, just. Re, re, re uh, discovering life, you know. It's just, it, it's another piece, you know, it's another piece of the puzzle.
0: So Filling Empty Bell is just trying to provide for basic needs, food, and you're serving food every day to people, and you're, you're trying to deal with, to a degree, with the mental health issues with the Beacon Clubhouse. And you're also teaching something called the SMART
1: uh, uh, so I'm a f- smart uh, self-management and recovery training mm-hmm. facilitator, and I mm-hmm. I did the training to become a host. So uh, I lead the smart recovery meetings uh, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. at here at 1076 uh, Franklin, entrance on 11th, um, and it's a. It's basically it's an alternative to. Like 12 steps, we teach and learn tools in order to um, try to, to figure out how to fix ourselves or work towards that or, and, and help, our, help ourselves um, uh, create uh, positive uh, habits over our unhealthy and, and uh, our, uh, often detrimental habits like drinking. But uh, drinking and uh, um, sex addiction, I mean, it, it runs the gamut of, uh, of any addiction. I, you know, we believe that uh, every person on this earth has has or has experienced some type of an addictive behavior. am bad boy. Am I a bad boy? Yeah. Yeah, Because I won't let you talk into the microphone? Yeah. Oh. Well, I guess I better work on that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's it, it's it's it varies, or it's different from other programs in 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 uh, you know lapse and relapse. We see we see those a little bit different. So um, in other programs, it, say you're sober for a, a period of time, a month or two, or ni- you know ninety whatever days, and you use, you start over again. At that point, you start over again. We don't believe uh, in smart recovery. We don't believe that. We believe that you didn't lose the skills or the knowledge that you gained in that 90 days. Mm-hmm. Now it's just a time to reflect on what happened and try to figure out how to move forward and how, how to better, um, uh, you know, deal with or work through uh, what it is that happened that got you into the lapse or the relapse. Um, you know, learning from your mistakes rather mm-hmm. than, you know, and um, and we feel that that empowers uh, empowers people, so that they don't feel the guilt over the the, the lapse or the relapse, and that they, that they have to start over, you know. Because it just we at Smart Recovery just doesn't feel that that's a healthy way to, to to think about it.
0: What kind of help do you need that people could provide at this point?
1: Uh right now it's it's money like uh especially for our daytime stuff uh because we are like i said we're we're, we're guaranteed that well we're close to solidifying the uh, shelter uh, funding and, and having that that stream to rely rely upon uh, to provide the shelter services uh, we don't have the same with uh, our daytime and, and or rapid rehousing and uh, all of our uh, wraparound services. We don't have that same guarantee. So that and, and uh, you know, um, r- writing and or reaching out to our, your, our, our local com- county commissioners, uh, reaching out to our city council, the mayor, all of them, and let, letting them know how much uh, those of you out there are, um, Agree with and or support the work that we're doing, and let them know that you do, and let them know that uh, you want to see them, uh, so in turn, support what we do, what we're doing, what we're planning on doing. We want collaboration as much as possible with all the other local age service agencies and our munis- municipalities um, alike. The people that we serve, their mothers, brothers, sisters—they are, they're the part of. This community, mm-hmm. and and that, uh, as we were speaking to earlier, it, it's li- well, <laughs> most people in this country are literally one paycheck away from being part of them. Quote them.
0: The one thing we know that doesn't work over the years is that ignoring homelessness and homeless people doesn't fix anything.
1: No. Nope.
0: Congratulations to you and to Aaron for the work you're doing and you're stepping in and doing. Needed service that no one else was doing.
1: All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've
0: been discussing the multiple issues of homelessness with Oz Orak, Executive Director of Lifeboat Services in Astoria. Oz and his wife, Erin Carlson, have become the sole providers of several critical services for Astoria's unhoused population. This has been the Human Beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Roger Rocca.